Today, some heavy recommendations from the US government, CISA, and a look into the next layer of our defense in depth strategy, the network layer. Before all that, today's coffee is the hot Starbucks Christmas blend. A little bit of sweetener and milk just because I'm not a purist. Don't hate me. Let's get started with the news. Four stories in the news today, starting with CISA. So recently, in the last couple days, they added a bunch more items, 13 more items, to their known exploited vulnerability catalog. And they've pleaded, they're pleading actively with businesses to take immediate action to protect themselves. Okay. This is seemingly stemming from a recent Ukrainian uh, incident that has been going on in terms of their attack and data breaches and data destruction that they're experiencing right now, which I'll post a story on later. I didn't want to go into that too much detail. So CISA maintains a known exploded vulnerabilities catalog. And essentially what this is, is a list of weaknesses or software bugs or issues and applications Windows or other applications, Mac or other applications, that are already known to be exploited in the wild. Well, what does that mean, Jesse? Well, that means that there are already attackers taking advantage of these weaknesses to gain access to computer networks. Meaning, if I have a vulnerability as a business, and it's on this list, it's only a matter of time, more than likely, before I'm attacked. Because, they're actively out there using this vulnerability to find and gain access to people's networks. So other than that, uh, they've also announced, he says, announced an urgent implement cybersecurity measures now to protect against potential critical threats. That's the title of their article. That's not me being dramatic. I will post a link to this uh, in the show notes. Essentially what this is, is a checklist that helps businesses, or that should be used to help businesses to do four main things, to achieve four main goals, okay, for their cybersecurity resilience or for their business resilience. Lots of good recommendations in here for basic set of cybersecurity controls that every business needs. So I urge every small business, every medium business, everyone that thinks they're a large business to check this out Make sure that you are meeting these minimum standards to protect your environment. So what are the four things? Reduce the attack surface is number one. With the likelihood of, so essentially with reducing the attack surface, you reduce the likelihood of a damaging cyber attack impacting your organization. And there's another new story here. If you don't think they're gonna hit you or if you think you can recover quickly because you have backups or there's plenty more news, don't worry. Second thing, it will give businesses the ability to quickly detect a potential intrusion. And I can't overstate this one enough. Uh, most companies, most consumers aren't even able to know or identify or detect if a cyber attack is happening in their environment. Um, in fact, most of the ransomware cases, the first sign of ransomware is all of your files encrypted or your computers broken. Uh, that's never a good time to find out you have an attacker in your environment. It's um, it's impossible also to go backwards and to look and find out what happened, how they got in, what they did. So even when you recover, you don't know if they're gone. So there's all of that sort of in the detection. So it's just, it definitely recommends some things to help you detect. 
It will help you respond quickly to a cyber incident. And this is all about making sure your incident response policies and procedures are in place. You're doing tabletop exercises and your staff are aware of the process. They know how to report cyber incidents and you're following that. And the last recommendation or the last area that will help you is to help you maximize your resilience to a cyber incident. Just some, some good recommendations. It's a checklist style format. Go through, make sure you're looking at these things. I, it's stuff you've heard before. It's, it's making sure you have EDR and endpoint protection not old school antivirus. It's making sure you have your incident response policies in place. It's making sure you're monitoring the network for threats. Uh, it's, it's those things. So definitely go through a look at it. They also put a link to the government anti-ransomware site to help businesses understand how ransomware works and the best way to avoid and prevent against it, detect it and recover from it, as well as some information about who to contact if you need help. Although, as I've stated in the past, if you do contact the FBI for help, your best case scenario is they take all your gear for a month and you're down for a month doing paper or whatever until they're done with their investigation. And they might not even be able to help anyway if you don't have the right tools. So there's quite a bit of, the, quite a bit of information in that. I'll post all those links in the show notes. So second news for the day, the Russian intelligence agency recently over the weekend uh, they have arrested, was it 14? Yeah, 14 people in connection with the R Evil ransomware game. Um, you may recall that R Evil was the ones that claimed responsibility for the Colonial Pipeline attack. And there's a few other ones that they've uh, claimed responsibility for. This is good news. Uh, FSB is active in, in, in attacking ransomware over there in Russia. That's good. I mean, the less ransomware gangs, the better. Although, obviously, ransomware is not going anywhere, it's good to at least show that um, governments around the world are not going to tolerate it when it's happening. Show notes, of course, will have a link to the full article. Uh, number three, another lawsuit in healthcare for data breach. Uh, this time we've got a Florida-based pharmacy. Uh, name is BioPlus Specialty Pharmacy. They experienced a data leak back in October of last year 350,000 patients' information stolen, including social security numbers for some. Uh, well, allegedly, allegedly, they failed to safeguard PII and properly notify patients in time of the theft of their information, of the data breach. Some folks found out, so some of the plaintiffs found out that their information was on the dark web from their credit monitoring agency, and that's how they learned of the data breach. So rightfully so, people are kind of pissed off, right? I mean, they're, they're, this, is the, this is a takeaway in a second. Uh, but the threat actor had nearly a month in the company's network to collect information and just hang out in there doing whatever they want before they were detected, before they were stopped. So definitely some issues here. So my key takeaways of this story are that businesses need to consider whether or not they can detect a cyber attack. This is a rolling theme for this morning. You need to be able to detect it in progress, monitor it and stop it before it becomes a massive data breach. And a month later is, is too long. I mean, these attacks, a lot of attacks happen in less than a day. So you need to be able to detect and quickly respond to these types of attacks. Um, my second takeaway, people are getting pissed. Lawsuits are increasing. HIPAA rules do require timely notification of data breaches. Um, 
people are starting to hold businesses accountable when their data is lost, when their data is breached, compromised. Uh, and I don't blame them. I, I want, would do the same thing. I, I absolutely abhor companies that don't that don't meet the minimum standard data protection, that don't even try. Um, if they're trying and they're implementing processes and they just missed it because their systems need to be changed and they're working to advance that and make it better, okay, I can understand at a business level that they're actually trying to reduce their risks and they're minimizing the chance that my information is gonna be taken by a cyber criminal, by a threat actor. So I, I tend to forgive a little bit more when they're actively trying. If they're not trying, they're not meeting the minimum requirements for HIPAA, they're not, doing what they need to be doing above HIPAA to protect that information, then I then I don't feel for them. Uh, and people obviously agree with me because class action lawsuits are becoming a huge thing right now. I'm seeing them all over the US. Anytime a data breach occurs, that, that sensitive information is gone, they're, we're attacking back. And so just lawsuits are kicking up everywhere. That's kind of a weird takeaway. And in this particular example, dark web monitoring played an important role. So it's always something that a lot of IT and cyber companies recommend, which is monitor the dark web for signs of your information on there, your authentication, your logins, your company information, your personal identifiable information, patient information, customer information, whatever it is. Monitor the dark web for signs that your information has been breached so that if it has, you can at least find out then. All right, I will post a, a link in the show notes, so check that out. And as well as a link to Have I Been Pumped, which I've posted a few times before, which is how you as a consumer can find out if your information is already on the dark web using your email address. All right, number four, Kronos. Uh, remember them? Talked about them a few weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer ago. It's the HR company that suffered a ransomware attack back in December of 2021. They're still recovering from it. They're still dealing with the fallout of that ransomware attack. And of course, their customers are probably jumping shit because by now their employees are pissed off. Um, and I would be mad if you're not getting paid the right amount, if you're missing your bonuses, if you're missing your other stuff. And that happens around Christmas, New Year's. I mean, this is a huge, huge problem for Kronos. And I know they know that, and they've been actively working on it, posting status updates regularly on their website. But at the same time, there are a lot of healthcare companies that relied on them for HR, for payroll, for paychecks. And um, they're realizing that maybe they need to have sort of a plan B in place or some redundancies. Um, and that's gonna end up changing a little bit of that. But definitely, definitely a key takeaway here is that uh, recovery from ransomware is not a quick thing in many cases, especially if the company is not prepared for it. And I don't know what the case of Kronos is, but a month is not unheard of for recovering from a massive ransomware attack, depending on what they did and how good your backups were. And if you had any uh, backup, you know, live hot systems in place to protect, prevent against this. And depending on if your backups were protected from ransomware, there are all kinds of things that can, can like lead up to making it worse. But the cost of ransomware is definitely not in only day one recovery. We're talking millions of dollars in recovery over time, over a long period of time and lost revenue, lost customers. You just, it, it lost reputation. It's just all out there. So I hope Kronos survives this and learns from it and implements better security in the future. Uh, the, the story will be on uh, show notes, of course. And that's it for the news. Stay tuned for the next piece. All right, on to the good stuff. Let's talk about defense in depth. We have so far in this series of Defense in Depth gone through four different layers of cybersecurity. Five if you include your data. We're talking about your data, 
We talked about your ability to recover from a cyber attack, your recoverability of your data. We talked about your devices. We talked about your applications. And we talked about your people. Build that human firewall, I said. Don't punish them for, for simulated phishing attacks and you know start putting up leaderboards of failure in your company. You will kill your cybersecurity culture, which is all part of people. All right, today we're gonna to talk about the network layer layer five, if you're keeping track. I think that's right, yeah. The network layer is another essential layer, again, in defending your business from cyber threats, defending your business data, which again is layer zero. The core of all of this is to protect your business data from breach, to protect your business data from confidentiality, integrity, and accessibility issues or availability issues. Gosh, you should go back to school. The network layer consists of a few different services that are all about using the network to identify, detect, and prevent, and recover from cyber attacks. Starting with the endpoint firewall. And when I say endpoint, I mean computer. We've got Mac OS, Windows computers, Linux computers, Chrome OS systems, iOS devices that are phones, smartphones, your Android devices that are smartphones. These are all endpoints. Okay, cloud servers that are running in the cloud, with full operating systems on them, the infrastructure as a service, as they say. These things are all endpoints that need to be protected. And the endpoint firewall, its job on all of these different operating systems or, or whatever, even if you use a third-party firewall, is to stop traffic from entering or exiting your endpoint, your device, that shouldn't be doing so. So it will stop. For, for example, one of the first things cyber attackers do when they're attacking your network is they perform a vulnerability scan on your whole network. If you've been paying attention, vulnerabilities management was one of our earlier layers and applications. And the thing that you may or may not be doing, your attackers definitely are doing. So they're doing a vulnerability scan to find out if things are out there and if they're vulnerable. Well, a wide open firewall in these endpoints allows them to do all that scanning and find out much more information than they otherwise would have been able to find if you were preventing that traffic. So what's important here? Well, you need a centralized management solution. You need to be able to manage all your firewalls from one place in a centralized way. Okay? For anyone who's ever been in IT or managed multiple computer systems, in order to actually configure them all, have them be the same, and just know if they're on and working, etc., you've got to have centralized management of that firewall. And there are many different solutions that do that. A lot of the EDR solutions out there now, uh, the endpoint detection and response solutions, those third-party awesome next-gen antivirus behavioral detection systems, the EDR solutions out there are able to do this for you which is great because it integrates all that into your endpoint detection and your endpoint security, which is where it needs to be, frankly. Your endpoint firewalls also need to have that centralization so that you can monitor and receive all of those logs. So you need to be able to see what the devices are doing, not just in the early days when you're rolling it out and you're adding exceptions for known good things, right? You've got a server, you need people to access it, that makes sense. But also so that you can see these threats and begin to keep track of all that information, not just for the early signs of an attack, but also for forensics, for later on. If you need to go back through those logs to see what happened, 
you can put together a better picture of how someone entered your environment, what they did, what the holes were, did they bypass the firewall, etc. And of course, there are lots of best practice policy configurations out there. Definitely like the CIS security controls, uh, but uh, there are others out there. There are recommendations from Microsoft, whatever you need to follow. I'll try to find some links and post them in the show notes, but um, definitely want to configure those firewalls. The, well, what I like to do is I like to start by blocking everything coming inbound and then unblocking only things that need to be unblocked to come inbound. Okay, which is just for me, start with block everything and then unblock. It's a little bit more painful, takes a little bit more time to get past it. But for me, it's the best secure option. So that's why I go with that. All right. And then really kind of adjacent to the endpoint firewall is something I call a DNS firewall. And this will be talked about a little bit more in the Internet layer. But um, DNS firewall is all about protecting outbound traffic from getting to known malicious places. So. A little bit, a um, little bit of a different direction, a little bit of, a um, little bit of past the built-in firewall solutions. All right. So what's next in our network layer of fun? So we've got the intrusion detection system (IDS) and the intrusion prevention system (IPS). These are they've been baked into next-generation firewalls for a while. Uh, firewalls such as FortiGate, such as Checkpoint, such as SonicWall. And what they do, what their purpose is, is they use signatures or known threats to prevent inbound attacks or even outbound traffic sometimes um, that's occurring on your network through monitoring the network traffic. So they monitor what's going across your network for anything that's already known to be a problem, and then they stop it. If in the in the case of prevention, or they detect an alert on it in the case of detection, so that's really the difference between IPS and IDS is whether or not you're turning on the protection or the blocking function. I definitely, if you've got one of these firewalls, it's probably a good idea to have IPS turned on and uh, monitoring. Just stop any known threats. So moving along, the next service and this layer that I like to talk about is network logging. And this layer is really about your firewalls, your switches, your other network infrastructure devices. Okay. And sending those, they're, they're called syslog for you techie folks, sending the logs off of those devices to a central place. And essentially what that does, kind of like the endpoint firewall logs I was talking about earlier, is it allows us to see configuration changes, unintended or intended. It allows us to see um, you know, downtime events or crashes. So for IT teams, it's really helpful for the, for the network operations center to see if the firewall is stable or having issues. It allows us to see if the internet has gone up or down. And in some cases, it even allows us to see threat events at a central level. And capturing them centrally means that even if the device is rebooted or crashed or erased or whatever, you still have a log of activities that took place. And you can see if, for example, a firewall administrator accidentally added a rule that made it something insecure. So that's why monitoring firewall logs is important. And, of course, the security configuration of these devices, which we talked about in vulnerability management. But I'll just reiterate here, making sure you're changing those default passwords and making sure you're configuring them securely and keeping them up to date with the latest firmware is all part of 
this, and network logging helps kind of show those events are taking place, for example. All right, so moving on to the PST resistance, my favorite aspect of this layer, network monitoring. Um, so we call this in the industry network detection and response, NDR. NDR for me, it's sort of the next generation, which is an overused term, I know, but it's the next level up from IPS, intrusion prevention. And essentially, let's face it, most attacks occur over the network, right? I mean, they're getting in and out over the internet, over the network. I, you know, most attacks, least cyber attacks. I mean, obviously you can have someone enter your facility physically and gain access, but this is most cyber attacks occur over the network. And many people, many even IT people, don't have the knowledge or tools necessary to monitor and stop malicious activity over the network, okay? Because it's complex, right? You need the infrastructure network capability in your mind. You need to be able to do that. You need to know how the network works and configured. You need to be able to monitor and configure that, and you need to know how to stop threats on it. So there's a little bit of a high-level IT network and a little bit of high-level IT network security sort of baked into here, so cybersecurity. And let's face it, the tools aren't necessarily cheap either. So I think there's a lot more now than there used to be, and it's a lot more affordable for small businesses than ever before. So definitely like to talk about it now, seeing more and more of it out there, which is great. Um, so what's it for? Well, in a nutshell, it's for detecting, reporting, and stopping suspicious activity on your network, on the internet, whatever you want to call it. It finds threats, that evade other solutions. Well, okay, how does it do that? Well, it essentially is, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get too technical here, that's why I keep you know, looking around. It's essentially deep network visibility, okay, and advanced threat protection for your network, okay, for the internet, for some of you that call it that. It monitors that traffic, it monitors anything that goes in and out over the network for signs of threats, and it stops it when detected. But it doesn't do this like IPS with signatures. It does this by behavioral analysis, which is awesome because it uses machine learning and artificial intelligence to paint a picture of what normal is, which is awesome. Once it knows what normal is, then it can detect abnormal. So it has some built-in already abnormal stuff, and then it can actually detect a normal and related to your own network and begin to paint a picture, alert, monitor, block, based on the behavior of the network traffic, which is, for me, is pretty cool. It creates that model, and then it maintains it and highlights suspicious activity for a security engineer to, to confirm, of course. There's always that human area. When you talk about AI and artificial intelligence and machine learning, there's still the need for the human to put eyes on these security events to confirm, right? To confirm or deny whether or not this is an actual threat. So definitely want to make sure you're keeping that person around. Uh, it can also automate remediation activities, which is great. All right, what do we use it for? We use it for threat hunting. We use it for fast investigation and detection of cyber threats in a business, okay? And it usually requires some type of device configuration or some type of equipment on site or in the cloud. Um, it can, well, in the cloud, it's just device configuration. In order to collect that network traffic, sends it to a central place, has multiple data feeds, and that's where all the magic happens. All right, so 
this is um, this technology is obviously expanding, right? As we work differently uh, as businesses, we work more in the cloud. We work more from home. So this technology is evolving to have, for example, NDR for Amazon, NDR for Azure, NDR for your office, NDR baked into some endpoint protection solutions so that it can work at, at your computer, wherever you're at. So there's a lot of, um, of good advancement in this area, and I expect it to be even more important in the future as it's, you know, a lot of the traditional techniques um, aren't enough to stop some of these cyber attacks. So NDR is kind of a hot ticket right now, if you're paying attention to the industry in general. Some popular services include the Fortinet NDR, uh, Checkpoint, it's a Checkpoint NDR, which is I think Cloud Protect NDR, and ExtraHop, which is a, it's a really good, um, well-known service out there that will help you with this issue. As always, though, these are tools. This is technology. You need people and processes in order to make this successful. Cybersecurity personnel that know what they're doing, both in security and in network infrastructure, network architecture, network security, in order for these tools to be successful for your business. I'll put these things on autopilot, and you will most certainly learn later that you had an alert chilling that you didn't see or didn't know how to solve properly. And it could have stopped a cyber threat, but you didn't do anything with it. So be very careful not to get a tool and put it on autopilot, which is something I talk about a lot. All right, so that's it for NDR, network detection and response. Really cool, really cool service on the network layer. I will post this a little bit of a deep dive later as well on our blog at insula, I-N-S-U-L-A dot tech. So check it out. Check out the show notes for today for all the cool links and some freebies. Have a fantastic weekend. See you next time. I lost my shield. And you're still recording, aren't you? Turn that. Thanks for tuning in today. We put out new episodes twice a week, so follow our podcast, subscribe. Tell your friends, like, share. If you found this information helpful, useful, or think that you know someone who might, let's get the word out to everyone so small businesses can better defend themselves from cyber threats and we as consumers can stop worrying about who has our data, who has our information. For more info, personalized consultations, head over to our website at insula.tech. That's I-N-S-U-L-A dot tech. And look for the contact us link. Or check the show notes for a link if you don't want to, you know, type in insula.tech. And don't forget to protect your ass ads. I mean assets. Have a great day.